from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Coming up in about an hour, we will check in with Sebastian Ajo, Carolina Hurricanes. Can't start the season tomorrow. We'll be there. The Out one, of PNC. The one competent professional team in the state of North Carolina. Well, Durham Bulls, too. Can't count them out. Not the Hornets? No. No. I mean, Definitely not the Panthers. You can call the Canes good. What? I mean, you can call the Canes good. The yes. Hornets competent. Are the, are, the, are the Hornets competent? They kind of are. Okay. I, I mean, mean they're, they're in that little playoff round the last two years. Yeah, and what happened in those I'm two ju- playoff rounds? I'm just rounds? saying they, they got, got there. They got smoked, <laughs> and then they decided, you know what? Much, You know what? Maybe they are like the Canes in that they brought back Steve Clifford as, as though it was Paul Maurice 2.0. Words are important. They are competent. See, the Canes are good. The Bulls are great. This is when you get this is when you get into scribe mode on me. They, they matter. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, I wrote for a living. I still do. Blah blah blah. Let me talk. Okay. My words don't always make sense. It's the beauty of doing radio. I just say the loud funny words and we keep going that way. Speaking of words that were said today, Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers met with the media today. Wilkes has a connection to the Carolina Panthers. He was an assistant defensive coordinator under Sean McDermott. McDermott takes the job with the Buffalo Bills. Wilkes gets elevated to defensive coordinator under Ron Rivera. Wilkes also had a stint as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. One season. One. The Josh Rosen year. Yeah. Sam Bradford. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, there. There is a there is an interesting consistency where blackhead coaches end up being there for weird tanks and rebuilds, and then they bring in the guy they actually want, which is why he's part of the lawsuit. And there was some conversation about his role in the Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins uh, head coach lawsuit, about the sham interviews that take place under the Rooney Rule. Over the fact that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins head co- the Dolphins owner, wanted him to tank specifically to get better draft picks, you know, w- willing to pay him, you know, like kind of insinuated those types of things. And there was some question as to whether or not Wilkes is going to get a, a fair shot, uh, given his association with the lawsuit against the NFL. And my my, I understand where that sentiment's coming from. However. Wilkes is um Wilkes was always the right person to elevate into the interim position. He has a connection with the Panthers as I laid out. And unlike McAdoo, what are you gonna do? You're gonna give the interim head coaching job to the one guy on the staff that they still have, the offensive coordinator? What have we seen out of the offense? Uh it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. So you want to elevate him to the interim head coach? Like that doesn't make any sense. Plus we just saw Ben McAdoo get fired by the Giants. Again, you you want that to happen? So Wilkes always made sense, and while there are some optics of here is an interim head coach who you can say all you want that he's going to get a fair shot at being the next head coach, we all kind of know he isn't. But then again, anybody who was elevated, including Ben McAdoo, was not going to be given a fair shake for the next head coaching job for the Carolina Panthers. So you might as well see what you got in Wilkes. Maybe there's a role for him under the new coaching staff, or maybe he parlays this interim head coaching gig into another head coaching gig somewhere else. Uh, and he gets a, he gets another opportunity, which is not something that typically happens for blackhead coaches in the NFL. 
let's not forget last year, and, and we can even go by best case scenario, right? Like, let's just say Steve Wilkes turns this this Titanic around, and and somehow the Panthers even make the playoffs. Right? Sure, sure, sure. We saw this last year with Rich Bisacci with the Raiders, mm-hmm. and under extreme circumstances, and the Raiders make the playoffs. And the Raiders looked a lot better last year than they do this year. And they got Devontae Adams this year. And they didn't promote Rich Bisacci. Yeah. So, yeah, your life as an interim is more of either, hey, who can we steady this storm, which you had last year with the Raiders, and that's not the situation that the Panthers are in. Or who do we have that has been a head coach and has experience, and I think Steve Wilkes qualifies, also understands the Panthers' culture. I think I think he there was a lot of retconning under Matt Rule, under yeah. what the Panthers were and they weren't before he got there. Yeah, and also David Tepper is also somebody who's trying to act as though the Panthers didn't have a culture before he took over as ownership. Now, as a new owner, you might want to update the culture or instill a new culture. I get that part. But to act as though there was no culture before that is a miscalculation of a team that's been around since 1995. So here's here's David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, yesterday, and he talked about how the team never had a winning culture or or, or never had a culture of winning. And then Wilkes today was you know asked about you know keep pounding right this this thing that Matt Rule kind of wanted to get rid of with his new branding because he's a college guy he always wants a new new branding. So here's Wilkes on the whole concept to keep pounding, which, again, goes back to a winning culture. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to this organization. Uh, it's just like anything. Um, when you come through uh, the organization, um, that it has to be taught. It has uh, to be understood that this is our mantra and this is what we're about. Yes, we do have a lot of young guys, uh, but we at that uh, that point in our season that it's about keep pounding. And uh, in, in order for us to turn around, that's the mindset that we're going to have to have. So that was Steve Wilkes, interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers yesterday. And he also talked about Wilkes. Talked well, about key pounding goes back to Sam Mills. It does. Who played for the Panthers mm-hmm. and was a, was a coach with the Panthers mm-hmm. and had cancer and died of cancer. And, you know, yeah, there are themes there that you're talking about that actually I know football loves to be overdramatic. But and I've seen some pushback on Twitter. You know, it's like, hey, why are they doing this to to Steve Wilkes? Why are, why are they making him, you know, be f- to set him up to fail? Yeah. And it's like the hardest thing to do in life is to compete when you know the outcome, mm-hmm. when you know it's not going to go your way. Yeah. But you still you still fight. You still keep pounding. And I, and that Sam Mills message c- can get a little bit lost. Yes. Right through all of the years, but I think it's still an important one. Uh, a little bit of a heartbeat that even through Jerry Richardson and all his shenanigans where it was this kind of message of hope for a franchise that, you know, look, they made the, the NFC Championship game in what, their second year of existence? Mm-hmm. Made the Super Bowl in by their eighth year. And then they had one of the best teams in, I don't know, 15 and one's pretty good. Yeah. There aren't a lot of 15 and one teams out there. No, there's not. That they had in 16. So I'm not I'm not suggesting the Panthers have been perfect. No. But I, I think it is disingenuous to sit here and say, well, they haven't done anything and they they've had this culture of losing and you know, I had to come in and rescue the whole world and you had to come in and end Jeans Friday, buddy. That's what you needed to do. That's what you needed to do. And he, also he, while we're here, before we even get to this Joker, yeah. That what a what is the word we use on this program? Because I'm not allowed to use the other one. Jabroni? No, no, no. Slap nuts. <laughs> Stooge. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't call it a blank show, a crap show. Oh, what a spectacular fire. disaster that press conference was yesterday. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, first of all, he has the big Microsoft start me up energy with the Panthers shirt on. Wait a minute, are you first calling of all, him, are you calling him Steve Ballmer? Yeah, listen, Johnny Awkward. Get yourself a suit. You're a billionaire. And show up at a press conference with your talking points and be prepared. You're gonna say and that? have real answers. Okay. You're going to say that to, to Tom Dundon, who always shows up in a windsuit? If that's, but that's not, again, getting back to the Microsoft video. You're being super awkward. And okay. yeah, start oh, gotcha. me up. And gotcha. Yeah, look at my, look at, look at my iron Let's on go. Panther yeah, shirt. Go. Like, listen. You're awkward. Show some more polish. Have yeah. a little bit more poise. Explain your decisions. You know why? Because you're the one who made the decision. Yeah. Here's here's David Tepper on the team never having a, a culture of winning. I think that we have to figure out um, how to get a culture of winning here, okay, which we haven't had in a long time in this place. And as I said at some point, we never have won. This town, this team has never had two winning seasons. So I don't really think it ever had a real culture of winning. Okay. Okay. They did win three NFC South titles in a row. Now, they didn't have back-to-back winning years in that regard. But what are we on tap for here for David Tepper's ownership of the Carolina Panthers? Back-to-back-to-back-to-back losing seasons. So what kind of culture have you instilled with the Carolina Panthers? The Panthers had something at some point. Like you said, Julio, it wasn't perfect. And Jerry Richardson had to go. But let's not act like what you're doing right now is turning the team in a positive direction. If anything, I haven't really seen the Panthers fan base this low ever. And this includes a time where Jimmy Clausen was their quarterback. Okay? I get the impression former Microsoft head Steve Ballmer running around a stage as him and, and Bill Gates running around a stage when they unveiled, was it Windows XP? Was it? Big white man's overbite energy yeah. out of uh, David Tepper yesterday. Swe- sweating out of their, blue, uh, their navy blue button down. Yeah, that's the move right there. That was David Tepper yesterday. It wasn't uh it wasn't great. Speaking of the NFL. Monday night football, Raiders and Chiefs, an exciting one, with all sorts of juicy drama to get into. From should they have gone for the two point conversion with four and a half minutes left in the game where they could have tied it. Hey. Based on everything that I've read up, that's a fifty fifty proposition, you know? There's the idea that you might not get the ball back and you take it to overtime. Well, who's to say you even win in overtime? If you feel you're not going to get the ball back and you can hold the Chiefs from you know getting a field goal or getting in the end zone, you won by a point. Hey, cool. So it, that's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for for the Raiders and how that game played out last night. It's also a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for the NFL in general. We had two instances where... Somebody on the defense did not sack the quarterback in a way that NFL officials felt was safe. We saw this on Tom Brady in a crucial end-of-game situation. And then we saw this again last night where there was a fumble. I mean, strip-sack strip fumble. They ended up being called a roughing the passer because the gentleman landed on Derek Carr a little too heavy. 
So they called the roughing the passer there. Sucks, but that's just kind of what it is right now in the NFL. Yeah, try to understand. The NFL had a DEFCON 2 situation, and it only wasn't a 1 because Tua Tungavailo was able to get up and walk out of the stadium on yeah. his own accord. All right? The NFL's worst-case nightmare is someone dying on the field, namely a quarterback after being hit and being repeatedly subjected to head injuries. So the one thing the NFL can do is control how the quarterback is hit. They can't control the situation with Naheem Hines. We saw him Thursday night. He got ear-holed. He got hit in the yeah. side. He's, he's a runner. He got hit. That's part of football. Okay, and you can you can sit there and argue with me and say, well, these hits that are on these quarterbacks, that's part of football. Mm -hmm. And I would retort to you, the NFL is trying to protect its multi-billion dollar property in the only way that it knows it can. And this will become more normalized just as we saw with the Steelers and the Bengals 10 and 15 years ago, murdering people over the middle, mm -hmm. and those were flagged, those get those hits were penalized, and those hits are now mostly out of the game, aren't they? Yeah, The hits downfield on receivers, the unprotected receiver hits. So that's what the NFL is going to try to do with quarterbacks. And you don't have to like it. And by the way, Chiefs, how hard-headed and ignorant can you be? Because you don't want your franchise quarterback. You know the 50 years where you guys couldn't win in Gots? Yeah. You, you think you're going to win without him? Well, you think you're going to win with with whoever their backup is? Here's the, the problem. fat guy from Missouri. Here's come on. Here's the problem. You want your guy protected too? Except that Patrick Mahomes isn't protected. He's not. We saw a sack last night on Patrick Mahomes that was very, very similar to the sack that happened on Tom Brady on Sunday, where he was wrapped up and then tossed to the ground. But there's a difference in how mobile quarterbacks are refed versus traditional stand in the pocket usually these situations happen when something happens in the pocket not when somebody's on the run or in the case of cam newton they didn't flag him because they didn't know what to do with a guy who was the size of a tight end right it was never about cam newton not being old enough to get that call is that referees looked at cam newton and thought to themselves Psh, you could take a hit to the head what's the big deal you're just like everybody else you're on the run you're outside the pocket that's where there's a consistency here but i did have a problem with how some of this stuff was portrayed last night and you got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman now on the Monday Night Football call. And here's here's uh, Troy Aikman when discussing what happened with Chris Jones getting called for a roughing the passer uh, while he was in the process of recovering a fumble that he created with the strip. Here's what Troy Aikman had to say. He's going to the ground with Carr. His body's there. It's just where it, it is. It's too much. I mean, my hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings and you know, we take the dresses off. Oh, Troy, 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 Troy. Ah, yes. Let's 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 check the the toxic masculinity there for just a second. It's not about the wussification of the game, or however you want to phrase it, or why can't they just go out there and be manly football men? Why do you think that these rules are created specifically to protect the quarterbacks, Joe? Oddly enough. Ironically enough, Troy Aikman had to retire for taking too many hits to the head and concussions. Yes. And his career wasn't as long as it probably should have been. Yes. So for all the people to be like, oh, they need to take their dresses off. Troy, yeah. uh, just a smidge of self-awareness would be helpful here. And that the self-awareness comes from his own history with concussions and also what the NFL is about right now. The NFL is the most lucrative product on television right now. Why? Because it's a quarterback-driven league. 
you know why the weight on the quarterback sack rule was put in? Is because, what, four or five years ago, somebody landed on Aaron Rodgers awkwardly, knocked out his collarbone, and he was done for the rest of the season or for the majority of the season. Do you think it's good for business that Aaron Rodgers is not playing football? He's not. Do you think it's good for business that any other quarterback gets knocked? Like Tua Tungavailoa in the concussions, to your point about how, hey, we got to overcorrect. Do you think it's good for business if Tom Brady's taken out for the rest of the season? Requires him being touched, but no, it's not good for business. It, but it's not good for business. Yeah. So it's not about dresses, Troy. It's about money, dude. So you like, do you think ESPN pays you what they pay you if they don't get to put on these these big games? So that that crap is completely just devoid of real context with what goes on in the NFL.